Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone who is coming on to the show on this morning and hope that you're having a fantastic Monday morning in the name of the Lord. We got a jam-packed show um, waiting for you guys on today. We're going to be talking about Mitt Romney, um, Senator Mitt Romney, and um, an article that was written on him about him watching himself become the villain after becoming uh, the Republican Party's uh, superhero for a very long time. Uh, we're also going to be doing um, a, a study on um, Tyrese's divorce. Um, there was an, um, a conversation between him and his ex-wife uh, that was very good and enlightening, and we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about uh, pagans um, and, and some people's ideas about the fact that pagans don't shame people the way that Christians do. Um, and then we're also going to talk about a, a, a food that may actually be helpful for eyesight that's not carrots. And it may be interesting for some of you guys to, to begin putting on your grocery list. Uh, but we're going to be starting this morning by talking about faith works and specifically the faith work corporate worship. We're going to um, jump into a word of prayer and then we're going to get into the heart of our conversation on this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful for every uh, person who's going to be on this show on today. We're so grateful that you give us this opportunity to be able to bless you and honor you in both spirit and truth. We're thankful for this show that you've given us. We're thankful uh, that you have thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to share the gospel truth with as many people as would like to hear it on today. We ask, Lord God, that it be none of us and all of you, that, Lord, that you get the glory, you get the honor, you get the praise out of every word that is said, every thought that is given on today, Lord God, every question that's in the chat. Lord God, let it be your will and not ours on today. Um, allow us, God, to be able to answer any question with truth and conviction. Uh, but again, let it not be of a lofty opinion. Let it be all of you. We're certainly grateful for every blessing that you bestowed upon us. Asking for the prayer, asking for prayer, for strength, comfort um, for those who are in need. We especially pray for those who are dealing with the um, crisis in Israel, um, in Palestine right now, Lord God, that you just, you know, keep, keep as many people um, safe as possible, despite the onslaught that's going on over there. And Lord God, we're just so thankful and so um, careful to give your name, praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Certainly, again, thank you guys so much for giving us this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys on today. Hope that you're having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. If you do have any question or concern, feel free to drop down in the comment box below and submit your questions, submit your comments, and anything um, else that you may desire um, down in the comment box below. And we'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, certainly, uh, good morning to you, Mr. Uh, Michigan Man. Hope that you're having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. We're going to start our conversation today on corporate worship by going into First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. Now, uh, First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, going to start with verse one and going to read all the way down to the very end. It's going to read all the way down to the very end uh, for our reading on today. It says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed." You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom of knowledge, and to another, um, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of, of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as one, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body um, uh, are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head of the feet, to the head, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Or the, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. It then goes into chapter 13, um, which is uh, considered the love chapter, and I won't go in, well, you know what, this is my show, I can do what I want to do. Chapter 13, if I, th if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even, I has been, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. We underestimate the necessity of connection with one another in our hyper-individualized culture. Um, we, by virtue of the pandemic, um, although we've been dealing with this since before, but especially with the advent of the pandemic, many Christians, we've come to recognize the, the, un, the, the lack of necessity for corporate worship in so much that we don't need the physical church to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of us, we had fallen into this idea that, you know, we can only get the gospel from the local body. And so we, so we as church leaders would push people in such a way to where we would make them feel like if you're not going to church, then you're not acting like a, like a Christian because it's where you get the word from. And the pandemic eliminated that. Like if you don't, if you, if you, if you were worshiping in a church and pandemic hit and they shut everything down, a lot of pastors had to eat a lot of crow because they realized, oh shoot, maybe I don't have to just give the word at the church. Maybe I can do it online. Maybe I can spread the gospel without it having to be at the local body. I can't tell people that they have to come to church now. I can't, I can't say that anymore because a lot of the pandemic proved that we don't have to go to church to hear the word of God. This very show, in this very ministry, is predicated upon the fact that we don't need to be at a local facility to receive a word from the Lord. That you can get the word from wherever you are. That's what the, the premise of the true gospel, that's one of the tenets of the true gospel ministry is, how can we get the gospel to as many people as possible? How can we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that God has done for us and all that he's accomplished for us? How can I get this to as many people as possible? That's the, that's the, that's the, the, the basis of what the true gospel ministry is. One of the basis of the, of the true gospel ministry. Nevertheless, even though that may be true, even though, that may be so, even though that may be the case. We, as the people of God, need one another. We need one another. So we cannot forsake the assembling of, of, of the, the coming together. We cannot forsake coming together as the body of believers. Because one of the things that we have to understand about being a believer is that God has not equipped one person to be all things. 
he has not equipped one person to be everything as if this one person is the body of Christ. <laughs> Pastor Steve is like, oh, I thought we were going to fight. No, nah, bro, no. What, what, see, and I'm, I'm glad you glad you let me finish. Thank you for letting me finish it, bro. Um, we need one another. The body of believers, is, it has been built and designed by God to where one person cannot be everything. As it says in the as it says in the scriptures, in verse twenty seven of First Corinthians chapter twelve, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He goes on to he goes on throughout that whole chapter to talk about how the body has very various parts, you know, fingers, fingernails, eyes, you know, uh, eyebrows, beard, you know, chest. Arms, legs, toes, ankles, everybody in the body of Christ is a piece of something for the body, for the body to have it, for the body to be the body. And we can't say, I have no need of this, or I have no need of that, or I have no need of you, or I have no need. We need one another. We need one another in order to be a part of, in order to be able to uplift one another in the body we cannot do this by ourselves we can try hard as we might to try to walk our faith out individually we we may try as hard as we can to live this faith out on our own but the reality is we all need each other we all need somebody to be a part of in order for us to grow in our faith to grow in our knowledge to grow in our wisdom and to grow into who God has called us to be we need each other and so even though the pandemic may have given us a lot of reason to not go back to the church because it because the pandemic exposed a lot of hypocrisy exposed a lot of lies exposed a lot of um of greed um, within the church and we're able to now discern it and say you know what no i don't want to be a part of that at the same time we are also able we are we're also able to see just how weak we as the body of, of the body of christ have become because we detached ourselves so much away from the power that god that god is connecting us to through being connected to one another so corporate worship then is not just about trying to be a member of a specific church, even though that's part of it. Even though that's part of it, we 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 are not just coming together so that we can say I'm coming to my local country club, that I'm coming to the place where I got my name on the roll, and you know I've been going here since blah 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 blah. It's, that's not the that's not the the the, the reason for us going to church. Us going to church allows us the opportunity to be able to worship God together. We assemble together so that we, in on one accord, desiring to have a relationship with God and to grow in our walk and to grow in our love and to grow in our grace and truth, be able to share the relationship that we have with God with one another. We are able to grow in our grace and grow in our love and grow in our devotion and grow as the people of God together as the people of God. Just like with anything else in this world, we have a desire to connect. 
We have a desire to connect on common interests. We have a desire to connect on common ground. You know, we, we get together in our various um, echo chambers in an attempt to connect with people about politics or to connect about sports or to connect about, you know, our hobbies or to connect about, you know, certain movies or certain TV shows and things like that. We connect together because we want to feel like we have a bond over something. You know, when you, we go to our favorites, when we go to our, I remember when I was going, when we, uh, my wife and, and wife, the whole family had gone over to Wild Adventures, was a theme park in our town, and uh, some guy saw me in my uh, Philadelphia Eagles jersey, and he came over to me, and he said, I just had to come over and meet this man of exquisite taste and this man of culture, because, you know, the Eagles jersey, fly Eagles fly, and he showed me his tattoo of the um of the last Super Bowl that the Eagles won, um and he was just so happy to see a brother in the in the middle of a whole state that ain't got nothing to do with Philly whatsoever. Um, talk about the fact that hey, there's somebody down here who likes the Philadelphia Eagles like I do, and so, um and so in that we had something to bond over, we had something to connect with. How often do we go to a football game or basketball game and we may not know anybody in the crowd, but the moment that you know that somebody scores a touchdown or shoots the free throw or whatever the case is, we're cheering and we're arm in arm and we're so happy as if we were best of friends. And it's because we've connected on something that matters to the both of us, that matters to the both of us. And so we're so, and so we, we think, um, and so we, we, we get together on these things that we have common ground on, you know, we, we will connect over a movie. Like you see all the Marvel things that I have in the back, you know, I'm a sucker for a good MCU movie and for a good 10, 11 year stretch, they were killing it in the box office. Right. And so, you know, I love the MCU. I love the Marvel stories and a lot of times when I'm talking with some of my clients, especially the teenagers, in order to connect with them, I hit them with, so what's the last Marvel movie that you saw? What's the last Marvel TV show that you saw? And that becomes the gateway through which we build a connection. A lot of times, we as the body of Christ, we are neglecting our ability to connect on a common ground. And that common ground being Jesus. Jesus is the commonality that th that is the thread for all of us to connect with, that he becomes the thing that we're all there to celebrate. Now, keep in mind, people are going to be messy. People are going to be petty. People are going to have their own little thoughts and things about where they're coming to church for and all that kind of stuff. But the commonality ought to be we are here to lift up the name of the Lord. We are here to worship Jesus. And just like if we were at a basketball game or at a football game or if we were, you know, um, watching a favorite movie, how you can go to a movie and, you know, as soon as the heroes arrive, everybody's cheering like, you know, like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Even though I'm there to watch the movie for me, but we're all in this together. That's what corporate worship is. Us coming together to celebrate and lift up the name of Jesus for all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he's going to do. We are there to learn from one another. We're there to, we're there to be able to, um, to celebrate with one another. We're there to admonish one another. We're there to exhort one another. We're there to, you know, love one another, to share with one another, to, uh, to bond with one another. All those one another's that we hear, 
in the in the scriptures all, all the i think it's like 57 of them that's what we're there to do as a body of believers now in saying that what i'm not saying is that the church should be the only place where we come together which again the pandemic allowed us to realize it's we don't just have to, we don't just assemble in the church I always tell people that God tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, he shall be there in the midst. Now, we've taken that out of context a whole lot. And so, you know, I don't want to use that as a but as a as a means of trying to say what I want to say there and let that be the caveat for it. So we'll talk about it on a, on a later episode of what that's really trying to talk about. Nevertheless, there should be a good about three or four about three or four brothers and sisters that we can come together with on a regular basis, whether it be physically, whether it be through the phone, whether it be through text or something, but that we're, that we're assembling together on a regular basis to, as Pastor Steve says, iron sharpen iron. We're there to be there for one another, to lift one another up, one another up in spirit and in truth. A lot of times we are neglecting our own growth in God because we won't connect to anybody. We're neglecting our own faith in God because we won't connect to anyone, which renders us vulnerable when we're trying to interpret the word of God by ourselves. Because what have we been, what have we said many times before? Sometimes we can get this wrong. Sometimes we might mess up. Sometimes we may look at these scriptures the wrong way and bring our opinion to it without even trying. And as a result, we may find ourselves walking in apostasy or, or walking contrary to what God would have us to um, would have us to do. And so whether we have a deep connection with the pastor, we can call him up and be like, hey, I was reading the scriptures. Saw something, didn't quite know what was going on. Or we got a good two or three brothers. We can be like, hey, man, let's go through this scripture together because I'm looking at it. And it's got some hard truth in it. And I'm just not quite sure what it's trying to say. One way or another, we should not, cannot forsake the assembling together with one another. You know, is there somebody that you can connect with on a regular basis? Even if you just go once a month to go get coffee or something to just share your heart, talking about what's going on, your highs, your lows, your ups, your downs, your joys, your, your, your downfalls. Being able to come together and, and pray with one another, to exhort one another in the word, to, you know, to, to listen to gospel music or to sing songs for crying out loud. Like what, how are we assembling together on a regular basis? Because that is a regular rhythm that we are in need of because one person cannot be everything. God didn't design it that way. He designed us in such a way to where we have no choice but to connect to one another. We have no choice but to be drawn to one another. We have no choice but to connect with one another because that is the picture of the church that God has given us. And that is the way that he has allowed us to not have no big eyes, no little U's. Everybody matters. Now in saying that, hear what I have to say. Hear what, I, um, hear what we have to say. We have to be mindful that we are not lifting up the more presentable parts as if they are the most important parts. For a lot of us, we have this, um, we have this tendency, we have this tendency to think that pastors and apostles and 
teachers and um, as it says, the gifts of healing, we tend to rank those gifts, rank those, 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 you know, whoever has these gifts, they're the most important people. No, in the body of Christ, we are all important. One of the things that I tried to um, emphasize in my former, at the church that I, um, that I pastored was that just because I'm the pastor of the church does not make me the most important person in the church. For the Bible says it's the parts that seem to be the most insignificant that are actually the parts that need to be um, need to be nurtured the most. A lot of them would get so confused because during anniversaries and things, I would tell them I don't want to be in the spotlight. I don't want my own table. I want everybody else to eat before I do. I don't. I don't want me. I don't want me to be up front. I am not a king. I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, let everybody else eat first. Let the let the children get whatever they want. Then, you know, women, elderly, let them all get what they need first. And then we'll come in at the end. And they could not wrap their minds around that. Because it's like, uh, but we want to celebrate you. Why? We're not here to celebrate me. We are here to celebrate Christ. And if you're only celebrating me, what is that saying to them? Oh, you know, unless I'm a pastor, I'm not going to get the best meal. Or if I'm a unless I'm a pastor, I'm not going to get to eat first. All this type of stuff. No, that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to be servants. And those who are at the top should be the ones serving first. You know, not being served. We didn't, God, Christ didn't come to serve, uh, come to be served, but he came to serve. And in that same way, we as the body of believers, we have to pay attention to those who seem to be on the fringes, those who those who are on the outside trying to look in, we have to give more care and more and more and more um, emphasis to them so that we all can grow together as the body of Christ. And so we have to be careful that we as the people of God, as we are in our corporate worship, are not lifting up our leaders as if they are kings and queens. We always have to be so mindful of what of how we are lifting up how we're lifting up people, because if we're not careful, we will have people believing, you know, well, unless I become a pastor, I guess I'm not that important or, you know, unless I become a bishop, I'm not I guess I'm not that important. And we have to be careful that we are not, you know, that again, we if you want to celebrate the pastor, that's all well and good. Like no one's taking that away from anybody. But we as the leaders have to be ever so mindful that we are paying attention to those who stand in need and that we are in the, on the front lines, not sitting back pretty when people are in need, in need of a savior, in need of prayer, on and on and on. So again, I'm saying all this to say, we as the believers in God, you know, over the course of the past few years, especially with the, with the, with the, with the, with the pandemic here, um, the global pandemic, we have used that as an excuse. A lot of us have used that as an excuse to never go back to church. I don't prescribe to that. You know, even though I haven't been back myself, but I haven't been back and me and God have been working on that. And hopefully that's about to change pretty soon. But nevertheless, you know, um, we as the people of God, we can't use the pandemic as an excuse to not go. We cannot use the fact that, oh, I can just worship from my bed as an excuse not to go. You know, oh, I can just pull up the sermons whenever I want to. Listen, I'm grateful. 
I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I can get on a podcast and listen to a sermon. I can get on a pod, a, a pod and listen to other people tell me about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us. I can listen to the music, the worship music that I want to listen to and lift up holy hands by myself. I'm grateful for that. There's a faith work for that. There's a spiritual discipline for that. It's called meditation. It's called Bible intake. It's called journaling. Like, you know, we, you know, we... We, we can do that, but that's only one aspect of our walk with God. We must assemble with one another. We have to. God prescribes it for us, and he's done that by virtue of splitting us up. Everybody can't be the head. Everybody can't be a finger. Everybody can't be a hand. Everybody can't be an arm. Everybody can't be a thigh. Everybody can't be a knee. Everybody can't be a leg. Everybody can't be a foot. Everybody can't be an ankle. Want to take it further? Everybody can't be a fingernail. Everybody can't be a tooth. Everybody can't be a tongue. Everybody can't be spit. You see what I'm saying? Everybody can't be this hair on my beard. It, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. Even if that part that we play is just sitting in the seat and listening and, and exalting and singing and praising the goodness of God and all that he's done for us. Again, it's not everybody's responsibility to be a preacher. It's not to be a pastor, rather. Everybody, everybody's a preacher. Everybody's not a pastor. And I'll get to that one day. Uh, but it's not everybody's job to be the pastor. It's not everybody's job to be the deacon. It's not everybody's job to be to describe to try to be a leader in the church. But we all need each other because we're all growing as the body of Christ. And in order for us to grow as the body, we need to be a part of the body. We need to connect to believers, both in a local church and as a gathering of brothers and sisters. Again, if you get two or three, you don't need 7, 10, 11, 50, two or three. It's, it's good. If, if you got two or three good best friends, you're doing good, okay? And you and, and by, by the grace of God, hold on to them until, unless the seasons change. But again, we're saying all that to say, do not forsake assembling with one another regularly because it is a rhythm that we need as the body of believers to further grow in our relationship with God. We need one another to grow in God. Again, it's not to say that we need them as if they are the sole source. No, Christ is the source. But every now and then, we need to come together as the body of believers to celebrate Jesus. Because again, this world is so flipping notorious and trying so hard to drag our attention away, drag our affections away. You know, just in the chat alone, you guys see a whole bunch of people like, nah, why are you believing in God? You know, you got that stuff in the background, blah, blah, blah. You ain't believing in Jesus. It's all fairy tales. We need to be able to come together sometimes because sometimes that stuff makes sense with what they're saying to us. And when we're having a hard week in the Lord or if we're going through tough times, sometimes we don't want to believe no more. And isn't it, isn't it great to know that you can go somewhere and hear other people not just talk about how good God is, but also talk about what a tough time they had in the Lord too. And as a result, say, that's why we need the Lord. That's why we need Jesus. Thank God that we're here. Thank God that he's assembled us here to remind one another 
of how awesome he is, how good he is, how gracious he's been, and how despite any obstacle and onslaught that we may face from one day to the next, we can do this because we're all in this together and we serve a living and, and breathing God who has imbued us with his Holy Spirit that allows us to walk out our faith from one degree of glory to the next. We need each other to do this. We need each other in order to grow. We need each other in order to be a part. We need each other in order to exalt the name of Jesus. Like we need one another. We need each other. And so again, we say this and we say this and I say this through blue in the face. Do not forsake assembling somewhere, you know, wherever God is leading your heart to go. Don't forsake that. That is a tugging of the Holy Spirit to let you know you are you are withholding yourself. You're 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 withholding the power that I'm trying to give you by not for, by, by forsaking the people that you're meant to connect to. Like he want he wants us to connect with one another. And in a wonder, you know, again, in the pandemic, for all that is for all the great things that it did, for all the great things that it's done, a lot of a lot of um a lot of, of the isolation that we have with one another has truly cut us off from the power that we have in God. A lot of us as believers, like we have cut ourselves off. And as a result of that, in in a wonder how a lot of us, myself included, have built platforms in an attempt to get the gospel out, partly because we're longing for that connection. We're trying to connect with one another. We're trying to get together. We're trying to be one with another. And as a result, God is saying, don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake getting together. Don't forsake taking part. Don't forsake being with one another. And so we, again, the body, in the body of Christ, we have to be ever so careful that we're not falling into the trap of thinking that I just need to be by myself. I can do this on my own. I can believe in God. I can, you know, I can believe in God by myself. I don't have to be with a church. I don't have to do any of those things. And again, this is not to say that church hurt doesn't happen. It absolutely does happen. It absolutely does happen. And so sometimes when we're going through church hurt, Per, per, you know, your brother included, sometimes God will take us through a season of isolation. He'll take us through a season of not, you know, not being a part of the assembly for a little while. So again, don't forsake that work because sometimes God will have to remove us from said places when we've gone through a, a season of pain in order to re remind us that God is what matters, not the people in those in those situations it's gonna hurt but not to take that pain and then warp it to where i don't want anything to do with god because look at his people from genesis to revelation godly people have done some ungodly things godly people have done some ungodly things and so again why should we expect the church to be any different godly people are going to do ungodly things even the best of us will make mistakes even the best of us will well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll fall short. And so again, we are, we are, we are to, you know, whatever God, whatever season God places us in, we are to be reminded that we still need to connect with one another, even if it's two or three, even if it's two or three, even if it's a phone call, even if it's, you know, going out for lunch or going out for coffee or whatever, God 
loves us and wants us to grow as a body so that we're able to come together so we're able to come together so that one person doesn't have to do everything one person doesn't have to be the, the the whole thing god designed it that way and we owe it to ourselves to connect to the body of christ so that we can grow as the body of christ because again we <laughs> we all need each other to lean on lean on me we're not strong i'll be your friend I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Just call on me, brother. When you need a hand, I'm going to hush now. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,600 likes that we have received thus far. So grateful to, um, to you guys for um, being a part of this live with me today. Um, if you've missed any part of this live, feel free to drop down um, over to um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and where you can um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to any and all episodes from our inception to now. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. Um, and just um, thank you so much for spending some time with your boy. We'll be right back in just a moment. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,800 likes that we have received thus far and grateful for every like, comment, and share that we are getting right now. Um, um, let's see. 
um, Pastor Steve. Uh, I don't allow guests yet, but there is a day coming where I'm gonna am gonna have a panel um, on this show. And so once I'm getting all the logistics of that taken care of, then we'll be able to um, allow guests to be on the show on a regular basis. But I am um, seeking interviews um, to have on the show. Um, and speaking of interviews, you guys will be able to watch the first interview that I've done um, with Ashe come this Wednesday. So certainly grateful for that opportunity to be able to sit down with her and to talk with her. Very lovely conversation that we had. And so I'm looking forward to being able to show, to premiere that on this Wednesday, this Wednesday's uh, show. Uh, so again, if you do want to come on the show and want to have a conversation with me, uh, feel free to follow me and DM me and let me know. And I'd be more than happy to set up a time for us to come together, whether it be on the show live or, um, you know, a pre-recorded um, session. But no, um, nonetheless, if you do want to have a conversation with me, I would love to have you on the show. Um, so DM me and let's, um, let's connect and see, you know, what God um, has to say to the two of us as we're um, talking one with another. Um, oh, if I can back up. There we go. All right. Um, so, um, this past, uh, past, not, um, Thursday, um, CNN Business had this to say regarding Mitt Romney. He said, Mitt Romney criticizes Fox News and right-wing media for warping the Republican Party. Um, Mitt Romney, once the Republican Party standard bearer, believes the right-wing media machine is at fault for much of the radicalization that has disfigured the GOP. The Utah senator and one-time GOP presidential nominee unleashed a torrent of criticism aimed squarely at the information universe in which most of his party's members consumed their news. Characterizing it in a new book as dangerous as a dangerous propaganda factory detached from reality, poisoning the minds of its inhabitants. Romney's blunt assessment of the right-wing media apparatus comes in um, the book titled Romney, A Reckoning, the forthcoming book by McKay Coppins, a journalist with The Atlantic who was granted a series of interviews and unprecedented access to the outgoing senator. Quote, it's hard to imagine... Um, Romney said in an excerpt of the book that Coppins shared with CNN, but Tucker Carlson is turning um, the GOP into, quote, the pro-Russian, pro-authoritarian party, and that is not what it used to be, unquote. In another excerpt, Romney expressed alarm at how prominent storylines in the right-wing media space demonized people that he believed should have been celebrated, such as an Olympian struggling with mental health. Quote, it's almost like you take what is praiseworthy and of good report and you say, quote, let's attack that, he said. His stinging analysis of the media consumed by Republicans is particularly noteworthy, given that he once harbored a close relationship with its top figures. But that relationship was shattered when Donald Trump ascended within the Republican Party, ushering in a new era defined by vicious attacks on political opponents, the smearing of the press, embracement of conspiracy theories, and a brazen assault of the truth. The warped political environment made Romney, the once, once the archetype of its traditional conservative values, an outcast to right-wing media figures, which after a brief civil war, wholly embraced Trump following his election. Speaking to Coppins, Romney expressed shock at how he personally became portrayed as a villain by the very same people who once championed him as a leader worthy of the highest office in the land. At one point in 2019, after seeing a clip of Fox News host and pro-Trump propagandist Sean Hannity rant about him as a, quote, weak, sanctimonious Washington swamp politician, 
Romney decided to phone up his old ally, Coppins wrote, but the call didn't go well. When Hannity, with Hannity scolding Romney and accusing him of making certain comments to appease the mainstream press. Quote, you're just doing this because you want to get praise on MSNBC, Hannity told Romney, according to the book. Hannity then questioned Romney on Hunter Biden and erupted when the senator confessed that he was not aware of Burisma, according to the book. How do you not know what Burisma is? Romney wondered to Coppins whether Carlson, the former Fox News host, who became the network's ratings king through ugly anti-immigrant conspiratorial rants was influencing Hannity. Quote, I can only imagine that Sean is consumed with Tucker Carlson for being ahead of him and his everyday effort is to find ways to reclaim the throne as the most watched, Romney told Coppins. He's in the same vein as Tucker, just not as effective as Tucker. Tucker's smart. So it was through a spokesperson Hannity said that he, quote, only wished, for the, only wished the best for the soon-to-be former senator. Quote, it's very clear losing the presidency has turned Mitt into a small, angry, and very bitter man, Hannity added. It's sad to see. Regardless of his feelings about Hannity, Romney acknowledged that the problem is more deeply rooted, blaming the Rupert Murdoch-controlled Fox News as an institution from some of, for some of the ugly rhetoric injected into the public discourse. After seeing the former Fox business host Lou Dobbs fear-monger about immigrants, Romney wrote an email to a pair of political confidants describing Fox as a, quote, serious problem. Quote, Lou is a moron, Romney wrote, according to Confidence. Fox is an enabler. And so I wanted to bring this up because of the, the quote that was, um, that was in here. Um... Right here, his stinging analysis of the media consumed by Republicans is particularly noteworthy given that he once harbored a close relationship with his top figures. But that relationship was shattered when Donald Trump ascended within the Republican Party, ushering in a new era defined by vicious attacks on political opponents, smearing of the press, embracement of conspiracy theories, and a brazen assault of the truth. The warped political environment made Romney, once the archetype of its traditional conservative values, an outcast to right-wing media figures, which after a brief civil war, wholly embraced Trump following his election. Speaking to Coppins, Romney expressed shock at how he personally became portrayed as a villain by the very same people who once championed him as a leader worthy of the highest office in the land. A lot of times, um, and you, you've heard me quote this before, um, and so I shall quote again, you either die hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, there was a time on a job that I worked, um, the, for, the former job that I worked at, where you know I was lauded for having done this amazing work, turning this whole you know um, um, department that I was ahead of around, um, and you know it was at a it was at a prison, a mental health facility within a prison, and I had turned the whole thing around. Um, we went from like, we went from worst to first in less than a year and, you know, getting lauded for it, you know, so much praise, so much, you know, um, you know, accolades from various sources. And then one day we, my whole team gets called in the office and our boss is giving us the business because of a decision that we made, a decision that we had already just got done talking about, we had the authority to make. And so 
she was reading us the right at because she's like, I'm getting calls from this and calls from that about this, that, and the third, and how dare y'all, and, you know, why did y'all decide to do this? And we're looking at her like, we did what we said we were going to do in this situation. Like, this is the play, the playbook, according to the, the book. We wrote the we wrote the book on it, and we said this is what we're going to do. This is what they said we're supposed to do. And she was like, I just don't understand why y'all decided to make that decision. You know, I'm, and I'm getting bitten. I'm getting, you know, chewed off and this, that, that. I'm like, we did what we were supposed to do. Like, we all sat in this room and we decided this was the play. Like, this is what we decided. And this is what we did. Like, I don't understand what's going on. And from, from that point, you know, I had been a hero just a week prior. But in that moment, I was the villain. And I had done everything wrong, and it was all my fault, and everything, and, and all the stuff that she was getting from the top, she was raining it down on us. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, shoot, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't, every time I think we done made progress, here we go falling backward in time. I'm so confused. I don't understand. You know, I don't, I just don't get it. And she was like, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to come, and I'm going to see how you guys do your work. I'm like, well, come on in. I ain't stopping you. But, oh, you know, I don't, either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You know, there's a piece of scripture that talks about don't let your good work be evil spoken of. Um, and, you know, that that verse is also taken out of context a lot. Um, because a lot of times people think that to mean, you know, be sure, you know, that you're doing everything that you can to, to maintain your reputation. Um, when instead it's actually talking about something completely different. And what God would have us to know is that there's going to come a time, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter where your, your life takes you, where somebody's going to see what you're doing and they're going to hate you for it. Somebody sees the good that you're doing and they're going to hate you for it. You know, Mitt Romney, you know, I, listen, he almost had my vote. I ain't going to front. I mean, the man has a lot. He makes a whole lot of sense. If you really sit down and listen to what he says, he makes a whole lot of sense. And he's got a lot of, even though he's Mormon, he's got a lot of Christian principles and values that resonate very, very well with my soul. And he almost had my vote. I ain't even going to front. Like the man, you know, when he was running for president, like I, I if he would have been the nominee, I might have you know, wanted, wanted to go kind of down the middle because the man was making a whole lot of sense. And one of the things that I admire about Mitt Romney and people like him is that they stand on conviction, no matter what. You know, right is right and wrong is wrong. They're not, he's not following party lines just because, well, I'm the Republican Party, so whatever the Republican Party says goes. Like, he's got his own mind. He's a Republican, but he's also, he's also going to make some sense. You know, he's not somebody who's trying to lord his his power over people, at least what it seems like anyway. Because, again, you know, actions can be louder than words, right? Um, and so he almost had my vote in that, in, that, in that space because he's a man that stood on, he's a man that stands on principle no matter what. And what we see happening and what he saw happen to him is that as he stood on his principles, he got clowned for it. He got shunned for it. He got ostracized for it. He got beat down for it. And again, where he was once celebrated, not even six months prior, all of a sudden he's now an a, a straight up pariah. Like, no, because he didn't fall in line with everybody else. 
He didn't fall in line because, oh my God, you know, this is our man. This is our champion. So we just need to fall in line with him instead of looking and saying, you know what? No, I'm gonna make up my own mind and I'm going to decide for myself whether or not I want to follow this chump or not. And so again, that's what happens with us in the faith. When God gives us something to do, or when God is leading us in a certain direction, or when God is transforming our hearts from the inside out and he's making us brand new, he's made us brand new and is making us brand new. A lot of times the places that we used to go, the people that we used to be, to be around, the, 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 the things that we used to do, they no longer serve us as a means of being connected to the Savior. And there will come times where your faith will be challenged by an opposition that's daring you to stand up for your, to stand up for God, to stand up on your convictions. As you even see in a space like this, and you guys were with me in the early, if you guys were with me during the early, the early days, which the early, like I talked about like the early days two years ago, you know, in this space, it's very easy to get caught up in the comments, in the comment section. Very easy. Because we, I see every comment that comes through the box. And it's very easy to feel like, I gotta defend myself. I gotta defend, I gotta defend God. I gotta defend Christ. And so anytime someone says somebody in the box, here I am getting ready to, you know, swing on somebody. And God was saying, I don't need you to defend me. I just need you to preach the gospel. I, I don't need you to, I don't need you to defend my, I don't need you to defend my honor. I just need you to do what I asked you to do. Preach the word, teach the word, and, you know, admonish the people. You know, and so anytime we see people in the comment box who spray, spray, spray the things that they want to spray, what do we often, what do we always say to them, y'all? God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But in this space, nonetheless, we find and we see that opposition is going to come. Now, this is easy. You know, it's just people commenting in a box. But there are people on your job who are watching you, who are noticing you, and they will either love you for what you do or they'll hate you for what they do, for, for what you do. And that love and hate will come in seasons. One day they're going to love everything that you do on that job. And you're doing it with integrity. You're, you ain't cutting corners. You're doing everything right. You're keeping your head down. You're doing what you need to do. And then one day the boss might call you up and be like, listen, I don't like how you did this. I don't like how you said that. I don't like how this happened. I don't like how that happened. And it could be that they had the worst day on earth and they just want to take it out on somebody. But, at, but nevertheless, they're taking it out on you. And as a result, we're looking like, well, doll, you know, I, I don't know what I did. I don't know. I don't know why this is a problem. I don't know why. This, like, I don't. And so, again, you know, we find ourselves as believers. We will sometimes face persecution. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that it, now per, persecution comes in various forms. And so I dare not try to say that what I'm going through as a believer compares to some things that people in China, some people in Egypt, some people in the Middle East, some people in India, in North Korea, and places like that go through for, for, the, for the cause of Christ. Those jokes are going through some straight up persecution. If they can endure for being a Christian in those lands, I think I can, I think I can take a little bit of gossip. I, I, I should be able to take a little bit of... Um, a little bit of issues and <laughs> you're not the first one to tell me that Alex you're not the first one to tell me that um but I think I can handle a little bit of opposition I think I can handle 
a little bit of somebody, you know, hurting my feelings. If that, if I can't, then dude, like, come on now. Like, so again, we have to, re we have to realize and understand it. Just as Pastor Steve is saying, they gonna, they gonna hate us. People are going to hate us because we follow Jesus. May not have done a thing wrong, but because we follow Jesus, the hatred that comes with that, that hatred is an attempt to try to get us to back down from what we believe. It's an attempt to try to get us to stop exposing the demons and the issues and the problems and the sin that a lot of people are living in. There's a lot of a lot of us as, as people, we have a tendency to um, to believe that, you know, I, 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 I can't I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm not going to say anything about my faith. I'm not going to say that, bruh, it's not you that's hurting their feelings. It's Christ is trying to get into that space and trying to show them the turn from their wickedness, the turn from their evil ways, the turn from their the turn from the darkness. And so we as the believers in God. We have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that opposition is going to come. Trials are going to come. And sometimes it's the people closest to you. Sometimes it's the people you would least expect. I just got done talking to my dad yesterday. And he said to me that trials are going to come. Evil is going to come. People are going to talk. That's what they do. And sometimes they're going to say things that are not true and it's going to come from places you would not believe. But you can't let them stop you from what God has called you to do. You can't let them stop you from delighting in the Lord. You got to pray to stay. I was like, and he was like, that's something he got from somebody who told him that. You got to pray to stay. Pray for the strength to stay. And stay connected to God, to stay connected to the people, get, stay connected, whatever it is you got to stay connected to in him. Because just because people are, are, are attacking, again, it can be happening right in your own neck of the woods. Just because they're going on the offensive does not mean that we have to back down from who we believe in. Again, we don't let people walk all over us. But at the same time, we don't let what people say or do back us down from our faith. I have, I, I fight where we fight not against flesh and blood. Our, our, our war is not against flesh and blood. So I'm not fighting you. We're fighting against principalities and powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in, in high places. That is our, our battle is not carnal. We're fighting in the spirit. And a lot of times, again, people don't realize that their spirit acts up whenever it comes up against God. Whenever the whenever God shows up, the, the demons gotta they gotta act a little brody. You know, anytime Jesus showed up, the demons like, oh man, oh God, dude, can we? Are you here to kill us? Are you are you here to are you here to destroy us? Because okay, if it's if it's time, then so be it. You know, is is, is it time? And so again, we you have to we have to remind, remind ourselves and ask ourselves the question: Are we as the believers in God? Are we as the believers in God? You know, allowing people to dictate our walk with Him, because people are fickle. Minds change, feelings change, 
more so than any other generation, we are guided by our feelings than we are our faith. Like, feeling has become fact in, the, in, in 2023. It's all about my truth and if it resonates with me. Somebody, um, 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 Jackie Hill Perry said it like this. She was like, just because you're reading scripture and it doesn't resonate with you doesn't make it true. Say, put that in a box and on a day where it does resonate, open it back up. I was like, so we are, we are a people that's guided by feelings more so than any other generation. We can't let people's feelings dictate our faith, nor should we let our feelings dictate how we walk it out. Our alignment with God should be such to where we're walking by faith and not by sight. And what and, and what and how I translate that for my for myself, I don't walk by my flesh. I don't walk by my feelings. I don't walk by my thoughts. I don't walk by what I see. I don't walk by what I'm feeling. I don't walk by my emotions. I walk by the truth. For God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. For it's the truth that sets us free. Not our feelings. It's the truth that breaks the chains. Not our feelings. And how do I know that? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have to be careful that we're not allowing, you know, that we're not bowing down to man. So that we can be liked. We're not bowing down to man so that we can be, so that we can, you know, be lauded over. Again, you know, Mitt Romney is a, is a cautionary tale for us as believers that someday you're going to be the hero. But then just like that, you can find yourself become the villain. And for whatever, whatever reason you can become that villain. And so will you stand up for Christ? Because Christ said, if I'm for you, I'm more than the world against you. What can man do to you? Only I can take the soul. They can take the body, but I can take the soul. So what can man do to you really? Death, where is your sting? To live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm here, I'm, with, I'm here for the work, the doing things for the Lord. If I'm gone, I'm with the Lord. I don't know which one I prefer. And so, yes, as Pastor Steve said, put on that whole armor. Stay on that whole, keep that, keep that whole armor on. And then stand. You stand with conviction. You stand for truth. You stand for wisdom. You stand for godliness. You stand for holiness. You stand for purpose. You stand for peace. You stand for love. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be a hero today. But I promise you, you say the wrong, huh? you say the right word at the right time with the right person listening, they're going to turn you into an enemy. They are going to turn you into an enemy. All because you're preaching God's truth and not what's convenient. Stand for what you know to be true. Stand for your convictions. Stand for what you know is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And regardless of what becomes of that, again, again, you might be, you might be, you know, on the mountain today, but God can lead you to the valley. Even, but even if he, and, he, and even if he does, we can be confident as we go through the valley because God is with us. Whether we're 50 million followers deep or whether nobody knows our name, God loves us. Because God loves us, we are able to walk in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, we gonna be all right because we know who, who we are and whose we are. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for every like that we have received. Thank you for the 2,400 likes that we've gotten so far. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you do decide to give to this uh, this show, know that every dime that you give does not go to me. I don't. I make my own money, got my own job, pay my own bills. All the money goes toward. Um, the True Gospel Ministry to keep up our website and to keep up our subscriptions. If you missed any part of this recording, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode from its inception to now. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back with you in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Pastor Steve, we certainly do appreciate you for subscribing on the Apple Podcast. Thank you so, so much for that. Um, and so feel free to listen to every and all episodes that we've had of the True Gospel Morning Show since our inception. Um, and um, tell us what you think. We certainly do appreciate you for taking the time to be on the show on today. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns that you want us to answer on a later episode of the True Gospel Morning Show, Feel free to drop down in that comment box right now. I got two good questions just off the box, off the chat alone that'll be going on a future episode of the show. And so, again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, drop down in that comment box below. May not get to it today, but I will get to it at some point if your question is legit enough for us to put it on the show. Uh, right now, I want to play a few clips for you guys um, regarding Tyrese Gibson. Um, Tyrese, if you know know him for his um, for his singing, um, also for the movies that he's played in. You know, he played in Transformers. He played in Four Brothers. Um, he's played in the Fast and Furious movies. He's also the star of Baby Boy. Um, he and his ex-wife um, um, got a divorce some time ago. Um, and I, and it was a very interesting conversation to hear them have. And so I want to play these three clips in, um, in order and then have a conversation about what we hear on, on this, um, show. I don't know who she is. I don't know who she became. I realized that this was a woman that was very simple who I met in a, $12 sundress and prided herself on being simple and I don't care right. about money stars celebrities I don't need to live and be around I, this is not I'm a simple girl now you want $20,000 a month for a one-year-old now you've hired three law firms to try and knock my motherfucking head off I did nothing to you to create that like you should be able to say physical violence I got three chicks pregnant on the side and love child and I, I was on the road and smashing chicks on like what what did I do that made you become that everybody's got problems everybody go through shit mm. but I cannot sit here right now as a man to pull out my human calculator and say I'm divorced and I know why This is the ex-wife. I would, and that's the truth. I um, I tried my very best at this point in my life to be what I didn't have in that moment. Um, because I think that I was. Women were like I'm an extremely emotional person. People that know me know that about me. I'm the kind of person that like okay. And I can ruminate. I can get so lost in my thoughts. I know a lot of women are like that. Like we're a lot, not all of us, right? But some of us are just like a lot of men can be like that. But I know women specifically, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be done. I can't stand this. You don't do this. You don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. We're just focusing on these things. And because you don't have, you don't have a certain um, person in your life to say, to check you and say, sis, what about this? What about this? What about these strings? What about what he's not doing? What if, like, those types of things. Um, that, that can, 
that can get you thinking about the positive aspects of this person that you may not be thinking about when you're upset. You're only thinking about what you're mad about. You're not thinking about all the other positive aspects of this person. Um, And so in those moments, you need somebody to be the the person for that person. Yeah. um, In those moments. One more. My process for giving is not biblical. Is it ego? No. It's called pain. I just can't really process what happened. And and I think um, I want to describe this, and it's just an analogy for the mature and smart folks. There's a very big difference in dealing with the death of someone who has cancer, they're in chemotherapy, came back and went away came back and went away, and at a certain point they transitioned. That death is the same death that you would be crying about versus a tragedy, a death that happened out the blue that people can't even explain. That type of death takes much longer to process and heal and recover from than the one that you've seen as a slow, slowly but surely transition happens. But your mind was prepared for the day that you're going to get the call that it's over. You process that shit. You can't process it. So I just need everybody to allow me some grace. No different than what you should ask God to allow you and say, look, man, your process is your process. There are grown-ass men with full beards and voices deeper than mine were still not over them being sexually assaulted when they were seven. All right. So, I don't know the particulars of the things that they have going on. I'm not one to go on these like little gossip trains trying to figure everything out and things. Um, but I do know that a lot of noise has been made over the fact that they did, you know, split up. Um, and I want to make sure, let me do just, just real quick. Um, okay. Samantha Lee, Samantha Lee is her name. Okay. Um, and so there's, so there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of things that I want to talk to us about today. Um, in regards to, um, relationships and particularly knowing who your friends are, knowing who your friends are. Um, Samantha Lee said it so well that she wished she would have had someone in her ear to check her when she was going through her mind process of he did I'm so angry I'm so angry I'm so angry I'm so angry she said that she wished that somebody would have been in her ear telling her yeah but did you but are you but did you think about this yeah but are you seeing what he did seeing what he hasn't done looking at all the good that he's done you know 
why are you holding this over his head the way that you are? Whatever it was that happened. Again, I don't know what happened. And I don't I don't care. I'm not this this is not a gossip train for me. Um and so I tell people in therapy as well as within my own little circle that it is imperative that you have people in your life who are going to tell you the truth. My wife will tell you that one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn in being a man is I've got to be able to be honest. In my people-pleasing ways, I had a hard time telling people the truth because I was so scared to hurt their feelings. So I would sugarcoat crap. You know, I wouldn't tell people what they really needed to hear. You know, I'd always be like, oh, well, you know, you know, and, and it's like, no, you got to tell the truth. You got to be honest. And part of the reason why I didn't want to be, be honest with them is because I was so scared I was going to lose them. And so I wouldn't even tell the truth about myself. I tried to deny my own truth, right? The, the, what, what's actually going on with me. But again, the, the point is we need people in our lives who are going to tell us the truth. Because a lot of times when we are in these situations and in these moments, we want some we want people to be on our side. Yeah, girl, I would I wouldn't put up with that mess either. Man, dog, yeah, I'll just go get me another chick. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's what we that's what we want to hear. Because we want to be right so bad. We want to we want to be heard so bad. We want to be felt so bad. We want to be seen so bad. There was a person who came to therapy one time who came into therapy and she specifically said to me, I don't want you to tell me what I need to hear. I want you to be on my side. I, I chose you because I want you to be on my side. I want you to validate me. That's what I, that's why I chose you as my therapist. And I told her, um, we going to have a hard time doing therapy then. Cause, um, I, I validate, but I tell truth too. Like it's not an either or for me. It's a both hand. It's a both hand. Like I, 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 I validate that these are your feelings and here are the facts. Right. And like, like Samantha Lee said, she didn't have the truth being told to her. She had people just cheering her own. Like, yeah, girl. Yeah, that's exactly how I wouldn't put up with that mess either. If I did, you know, yeah, you should go do your own thing and get this and get that and divorce him and take him for half and every all those other stuff. And so when Tyrese is saying, I don't know what I did to create that monster that you became. Because I can't, I can't look back over the course of my life and say, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I see why you turned into the person you became. Like, I did whatever it is I did, and all of a sudden you turned into this big, this gigantous monster, and I don't know where that came from. How many of us in relationships, our persons won't talk to us about what's going on with them, but they're talking to everybody else on the street, getting advice from everybody else on the street, and then coming back home, and now they're a completely different person. Completely different person than the person that you that you that you that you that you remember falling in love with, remember being with, remember loving. And you're scrambling at grasping at straws. What did I do? What did I do? Because they wanted so badly to, you know, to to, to be heard, to be seen. 
for people to validate their existence rather than give them the truth, they're now stirred up in their heads, ready to do whatever it is that they're ready to do to validate themselves, to make themselves feel like they're in the right, tit for tat, you know, eye for an eye, whatever it is that they feel like doing in that time. Scripture tells us, better are the wounds of a friend than the applause of strangers. Better are the wounds of a friend than the applause of strangers. We get on platforms like this and, and oh my God, I can't wait until Wednesday, y'all, because y'all are going to, ooh, that interview with, with Ashe is, is just so bomb. Y'all are going to be so, so, so just, just blown away. If, if I was blown away by what we were able to, to get out of that. And one of the things she said without trying to spoil it was that we'll get on these platforms and we just spew our feelings. We just, we just put our feelings out there and we create these echo chambers for our feelings. It's all good, babe. Go do what you got to do. I love you. Thank you. I'll see you soon. I'll talk about the talk about um the, the show and all that later. Love you. Mwah. Um, that was Shaquita and Cole Williams, y'all. Y'all, y'all ain't noticed. That, that's my lovely. I love her so much. Mwah. Um, but we'll get on these platforms and we create these echo chambers and we get all the applause from people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. I feel the same way, dude. That resonated with me. Oh, 100, You know, emoji. Up and down the comments of people resonating with the feelings that we feel. And nowadays, we everybody's feeling is so valid and valued and valid and, 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 and accepted now that we create whole platforms off of those feelings. Because we love and crave the attention from men and women. Because we want to be seen, want to be heard, want to feel understood so badly that we forsake true, wise counsel. That tells us, yeah, that might have happened, but we got to remember too. There's some other stuff that you just forgetting about because you just focused on this one thing. What about the other 99? Yeah, he messed up one time, but what about the other 99? Yeah, she messed up one time, but what about the other 99? What has God told us about if you have an art against your brother, you go to him and him alone? Have you talked to him? Have you talked to her? Have you opened up? Shared how it hurt? Talk about it? Have y'all considered counseling? Go talk to the third party. Have you prayed on it? Have you sought the Lord on it? Because this thing that you're mad about, it might not be that deep as you're making it out to be. And again, because we can get so stirred up and in our echo chambers and start scrolling on TikTok and we find something that resonates and you know how the algorithm works. You find one thing you resonate with, now it's going to send you 50 more to keep you locked in your echo chamber of your feelings. We as the people of God, we have to be so, so careful. So, so careful 
that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we mistake the truth about God for a lie because it feels good to the flesh that we do not allow ourselves to be stirred up in our feelings so much so that our feelings become the facts. Well, yeah, you may have done it that way, but this is how it made me feel. Okay, that's how you felt, but what that was not my intention. And so, how did you translate that? And let's talk about that. But make no mistake that just because you may feel that way doesn't make it necessarily true. Now, again, I don't apply this to every situation because there are some true gaslighters out there, okay, that may do some gaslighting. So please hear me. I'm not, I'm not blank, try, trying to blanket, trying to paint this with a broad brush. There's people out there that's a manipulative mother lovers, okay, and they know how to gaslight the best of us. So be clear. But a lot of times we don't have the conversation. We just want to take that word gaslight or take whatever word that we heard on the internet and attach it to ourselves to justify how we feel without having a real honest conversation with the one who's offended us to try to, one, forgive, two, reconcile. And so now we sit in this space where it's like, I wish somebody, I wish I would have let somebody talk to me. I wish I would have let somebody be in my ear and tell me what I needed to hear and not what I wanted to hear. Because if I would have give, I would have heard the person and heard what I needed to hear, then maybe I'd still be married today. Maybe I'd still be, maybe I'd still have my relationship today. Maybe things wouldn't have gotten so messy the way that they did. Maybe I would have been able to, um, you know, keep my marriage and, and, and keep things together and, and maybe we be flourishing. But instead, I let my feelings get the better of me. I let people get in my ear. I let people talk my head up and boost me up and gas me up. And I went on and I went ham. I went nuclear. I went, you know, scorched earth. And now I'm sitting here looking like, you know, boo-boo the fool, wishing that I wouldn't have done any of that, you know, because it was unwarranted, it was unnecessary for me to do for the, for you to, for me to do that to you. That's point number one. Point number two. The grieving process is different from person to person, and I love how Tyrese put it. I love how he put it. He said, "You know, there's different levels to grief, where you're grieving a person who you know is it, it, the time is coming." And so you have your seasons of hope and your seasons of sorrow, but you kind of just go, you're going through the process and then the, 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 it finally happens and that person's gone and now you grieve it and then you move on. But then you have the tragic, unexpected, didn't see it coming from a mile away. A person's here today and snatched the next. And Tyrese said, that's how I'm grieving the loss of my marriage. It was here today and gone tomorrow with no warning whatsoever. It just happened. No explanation. And that mess hurt. And so please offer me some grace as I'm not fully healed from that yet. I'm 
He said, you know, he said it's not necessarily biblical, but I beg to differ because if you look throughout all the book, all the Psalms, that's exactly how a lot of people grieved for a season, for a whole season, not a day, not a week, not a month, not a year, a season, a whole season of, of, of grieving. And a season varies from person to person, from situation to situation. And so, you know, I say that again to say, if you're going through a loss of whatever variety, give yourself the space to grieve. Take that grief to God. Be honest and real with where you're at. Don't try to fake being strong. God's strength isn't made perfect in our strength. God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. So you don't have to pretend to be strong. You don't have to pretend to have it all together. You don't have to pretend that everything is okay. No, you can be weak. We glory in our weaknesses. For the strength of God is made perfect through them. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't lean on our own strength. We don't lean on our own on own power. We don't lean on our own self. We lean in the power of Christ. The, the power that Christ has given us eternally secure through his finished work. So we don't have to be strong. No, we can be weak. Somebody said it like this. Y'all use the Bible and Christ as a crutch. Dang right we do. That's not a knock. That's the truth. Dang right I do. Because I'm busted up, broke up, disgusted, a mess. And I need the Lord in my life. I need him to hold me up on days where I don't want to be held. Just, I just want to lay here, Lord. Nah, we're going to get up. Come on, let's go. Come on. Like, no, you you can be weak because showing your weakness is showing your human, your honesty. We cannot revel in fakeness. We got to revel in being real. Yes, there are days where things suck. Yes, there are times when we feel like the world has come to an end. Yes, there are times where we feel like, oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know, any of this stuff is going on. Yes, there are times where I feel like, why, why, God, are you allowing this to happen to me? There are times where we're sitting there thinking, Lord, I can't take much more of this. And God's like, I know, I got you. I got you. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts through Christ Jesus. We know how to be content. We know how to be made low. We know how to abound. We know how to have everything in the world and how to suffer need. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That word do means I can withstand any situation through Christ. Not that I can do whatever I want to do through Christ. I can be in any situation and be content through Christ. But we need the Lord for that. And there are days where you don't want to smile. There are days where you don't want to be happy. There are days where you don't want to, you know, I'm cheery in the name of the Lord. No, there are days where you are going to want to fall apart. God is saying, I got that. I know that. Rest in me. Abide in me. Lean into me. There are days where you're going to be plumb terrified. You know, the darkness is coming. The darkness is here. How they say um, on Game of Thrones, winter has come. Yeah, there are days where it's like, dude, I don't want to be here. God saying, I got you. I got that. Let me have that. 
Give that to me. Don't fake the funk in front of people. If you broke up, say it. We spend too much time trying to fake strength in front of people in this feeble attempt to try to make it seem like we got it all together. No, you do not have to have it all together to be in the kingdom. As and for all of us, none of us are there yet. We haven't arrived. We still got trials and tribulations that we go through every single day from the minuscule to the to the insurmountable. But though we walk through the valley, God is with us. If we're in the fiery furnace, God is with us. If we're in the lion's den, God is with us. If we're on the cross, God is with us. Come on, Jesus. Woo! God has not abandoned us. It may be the dark night in your soul. You may be grieving loss. You may be grieving pain. You may be grieving suffering. You may be grieving a, a hard time. But God has not abandoned you. God does not abandon his children. If it rains on the unjust as well as the just, you can believe, you can put take to the bank, Christian, that God hadn't left you. God hadn't abandoned you. No, nothing you're going through caught God off guard. It's like, oh, I need to come up with another plan on how to... You, nothing that you're going through caught God off guard. And so if God is taking care of even the unbelievers, making sure that they eat well and that they're living well and all that kind of stuff, how much more for the believer will God take care of our souls? Doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through. Doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. Doesn't mean that you're that you're going to look like the pastors and the preachers who are telling you, if you just do faith like I did, then you can be like me. Doesn't mean like you're going to be able to dress to the nines. You got, you got some, you got some of your strongest Christians are living on the street. Some of your strongest Christians will be janitors until they die. Some of your strongest Christians are living paycheck to paycheck. Some of your strongest Christians are living out of a cardboard box, literally. And yet, their riches in, in Jesus supersedes. The eternal weight of glory that's, that's weighing on them supersedes this light momentary affliction. So I'll say all that to say to us today. Be honest about where you're at. Be honest in your relationship with God. Be honest with your, your, your trials and your tribulations. Because knowing that we can give. I got it. See what you did, God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw with confidence near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need.
Jeremy Camp sings a song called He Knows. Every hurt and every sting, he has walked the suffering. He knows. Let your burdens come undone. Lift your eyes up to the one who knows. So we can boldly go to the throne of grace and ask God to help us in any and all circumstances when we find ourselves in a time of need. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 2,900 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you so, so much for those likes. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share. We are thankful for everything that you guys have done. Thank you for the gifts that we received today. I do appreciate those as well. Know that every gift that you give, does not none of it goes to me. I got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. Everything goes straight to the True Gospel Ministry to keep up our website and our subscriptions. If you've missed any part of this message and would like to go back and listen to anything that you missed, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And listen to every episode from our inception. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show, and we'll be right back in just a moment. the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time certainly grateful again for the 2900 likes that we've received thus far and grateful for every person who is following along with us on today um someone in the chat asked the question um or said made the statement rather pagans don't try to shame you like christians do um they don't require you to do anything um, 
So, uh, my topic sentence in that statement is anything that you love will require your worship. Anything that you love will require your worship. Romans chapter 1 verse 28 starts by saying this. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that anyone who, who practice that, sorry, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, let's go to um, Romans chapter 6. Starting at verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time at the time? from the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Whatever you love, it's going to require your worship. We as a people want so badly to feel good. We want to feel good. We, we just want to feel good. And so whatever we have to do, Whatever we have to create, whatever we have to invent in order to feel good, that's what we're going to do. We're going to invent whatever we have to invent in order to feel good. And in our and in today's generation, we can invent something like that. Create an echo chamber 
like that. Access something like that to make ourselves feel good. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we want to feel good. And so whatever we got to do in order to make that happen, that's what we're going to do. Some people call that freedom. Some people would call that freedom. But when we're operating in the spirit, which is why I always say, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you are not going to understand what I'm going to say. In the spiritual realm, we as creation will always be connected, a slave bound to something spiritual. Something spiritual will always guide us, period. So if we decide that I want to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it, with whomever I want to do it with, and can't nobody tell me what to do, that is a spirit, a spirit of rebellion that is guiding you to do what you want to do. And if you ever decide that you want to rock with Jesus, that spirit and whoever you're celebrating and reveling in whatever you want to do with is going to shame you for trying to live for righteousness. How many of us as believers can testify that when we were out there doing our own thing, I'm talking about we were getting it in. I mean, getting it in. When we decided to give our lives to Christ and we started, you know, changing, God changed us from the inside out. We gave us, took out the heart of stone, put a heart of flesh in us, and we're worshiping and reveling in him. How many of our people shamed us for following Christ? I'm not talking about the church shaming. I'm talking about your people, your friends, the ones who are doing all the stuff that you were doing with them. How many of them started shaming you for doing the things that you that you wanted to do for God? This whole idea, pagans don't try to shame you. Yes, they do. Oh, so you ain't hanging out with us no more? Oh, you brand new now. Oh, oh, so oh, so you being a Christian now. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I remember what you did last week, so you know, you ain't really as saved as you think you are. Oh, oh, you saved, huh? I bet y'all can make you act unsaved. I bet y'all can, I bet y'all can, I bet, bet y'all could, bet y'all could, I bet y'all could. Oh, you don't want to hang out with us and go do such and such with such and such? How many booty calls start calling our phones all of a sudden talking about, hey, I'm lonely, you want to hook up? I don't do that no more. What you mean you don't do that no more? What you done changed? Oh, you, oh, you changed now, huh? Oh, okay. I bet you if I come over there, I bet you I can make you not. How many of us have been have have been shamed for following Christ? So this notion that pagans don't try to shame you, no, they don't try to shame you when you're doing what you're doing. And God said that if you if you find yourself in a space, he will set it up to where they won't because you're choosing to keep yourself bound in that stuff. 
Now, again, are we as Christians, are we sometimes horrible when it comes to people? Yes. And you're going to have your people who going to think that they're holy rollers and they're going to think that they got it all together and they're going to think that they're the arbiters of truth and, and shame and justice. Absolutely. You're going to have those people. They are. They exist. They're not going away. And they should not be. They should not be. They, the God should be working on that in them. They can stop doing that. But again, God's working on everybody. All of us are works in progress. Some of us are further along than others, but we're all walks of work, works of progress. And as I said before, some of us, we are so content to having such a shallow level of faith that it's enough to get us in the kingdom, but it ain't enough to push us to have any deeper connection with him outside of I'm in the kingdom. Confessing with mouth, believing with heart. Some of our faith is so shallow. Nevertheless, you're going to have people that are in this faith walk who are going to shame and ridicule people. Shame on them for doing that. But the pagans do it too. And whatever you love, it will require your worship. And so if you decide to follow anything outside of God, you are becoming, you are a slave to it. You are worshiping it. And in that space, you will find yourself being celebrated and lauded for the things that you're doing while simultaneously being ridiculed in those same spaces as well. It doesn't matter where you go. You're going to face the same issues. The question is, are you going to reap the wages of sin because you decide to revel in sin? Or would you rather gain eternity with Christ and deal with the ridicule that comes with it? Because all of us are going to go through it. All of us are going to have it. Like you can't escape it. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, you're always going to be ridiculed for some reason or another. We as people, we can't get away from it. Why do you think so many women, um, so, so many men and women, you know, get on social media and they get and they want the likes and they want the attention so badly and they're willing to do whatever they need to do for it. Some of them, they do it because they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be known. They, they're tired of getting picked on. And so they want to be liked by somebody. I'm watching a lot of videos on Facebook for some reason. The targeted ads are coming at me about exercise videos for some reason now. And a lot of people, you know, they literally live their entire lives in the gym just so that they can get likes by people. Whether it's to make money, get endorsements, get sponsorships or whatever, but they're literally in the gym every day making videos of them being in the gym just so they can get likes and get their, get their numbers up on social media. Because we as consumers, we can't stop consuming the stuff. We won't stop consuming the stuff. And so while they, maybe in their altruism, are trying to help people to become 
better, you know, exercise nuts and, you know, wanting to, um, you know, um, get fit and things and trying to build their own platforms for fitness. There's some joker out there who's watching their stuff for ulterior motives. So again, I say all that to say, whatever you love, you're going to worship. And people are going to decide whether or not they love you or hate you for what you do. Pagans do it just as much as Christians do. Christians shouldn't do it. But again, Christians, some of them ain't, ain't, ain't arrived. None of us have arrived, arrived. But some of us still ain't getting the message that, hey, stop picking on people. Stop hating people. Stop doing that. Stop putting them in boxes. Because you ain't, you weren't always saved. And so again, this high, this idea of pagans don't shame you. So that's why I don't believe in God. That's fine. That's fine if that's what you want to believe. But trust and believe that pagans absolutely do shame you. As a matter of fact, they will shame you the moment you make a declaration for Jesus. So if you don't want the shame, then it shows what you worship. You enjoy being loved more than you do loving the Savior. And whatever you got to do to stay loved, that is what you're going to do. Even if it means costing yourself the kingdom for not repenting and believing. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Um, some um, Something praiseworthy today, some good news for us today. Carrots are not the only thing that's good for our eyes. So if we're getting a little older, we should be eating grapes. Says, move over carrots. This was back on October 15th. Move over carrots in a small new study. Just a couple of handfuls of grapes per day for four months was enough to improve key markers of eye health in older adults. Whoo! This could be due to the fact that a lot of degeneration of the eyes is from oxidative stress. And grapes are high in antioxidants. The research team from the National University of Singapore studied 34 adults who consumed, who consumed either one and a half cups of grapes a day or a placebo for 16 weeks. The grape eaters showed a significant increase in macular pigment optical density, or MPOD, plasma antioxidant capacity, and total phenolic content compared to those on placebo. Furthermore, those who did not consume grapes saw a significant increase in harmful ocular advanced glycation in products, or AGE, high levels of which a key risk factor for eye disease, along with oxidative stress. Based on a double-blind randomized trial, the peer-reviewed study was published in the, food, in the journal Food and Function. Previous research shows that AGEs may contribute to many eye diseases by damaging the vascular components of the retina, impairing cellular function, and causing oxidative stress. Preliminary studies in mice showing consuming grapes was found to protect retinal structure and function. Grapes, which are a natural source of antioxidants and other phenophols, polyphenols, can decrease oxidative stress and inhibit the formation of AGEs, which possible beneficial effects on the retina, such as improvement in MPOD. 
Quote, our study is the first to show that great consumption beneficially impacts eye health in humans, which is very exciting, especially with the growing age population, said study co-author Dr. Jun Kim. Grapes are an easy, accessible fruit that studies have shown can be a beneficial impact in normal amounts of just one and a half cups per day. Regular intake of grapes may improve eye health in older adults, specifically in augmenting a MPOD, which can be explained by an increase in plasma total antioxidant capacity in phenolic content and the downregulation of AGEs. Long story short, you ain't got to eat carrots to have great eyesight no more. You can also add to that grapes. And I love me a good grape. I'm talking about a good, juicy grape. Just, uh, just so mouthwatering. I'm a sugar nut. And so it's also, I'm, you know, with my smoothies that I make every day, I'm finna start adding grapes to it. Because apparently my eyesight can get better. So maybe I can actually have 20-20 vision one day. I'm kidding. Probably not. But still, it'd be nice to have that opportunity to where I could take these contacts out and not have to be able to worry about not being able to see anything. Um, but again, if so if you are a grape lover and a grape nut, you have just been given some really good news. I certainly have because I'm going to go get me some grapes today. So that way I can begin my regimen of how to make my eyesight just a little bit better. So that's some good news for us today. Go to your local grocery store and go get some grapes and start your um, start your grape project today. And let me know in 40 days how your eyesight has improved. Listen, I want to thank y'all for the 2,900 likes that we have received today. I want to thank you for every like, follow, share, and comment. I want to thank all of our new people who showed up today um, and stayed on with us. I want to thank you for my day ones. Michigan man, you know you're one of my day ones for life. I really do appreciate you to, uh, as always today. Listen, thank y'all so, so much for your love and your support. Thank you for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be back back here with you 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And again, if you've missed any part of our show, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and listen to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, at your convenience. I love you guys. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. Love you guys. Peace out, homies.